Welcome to episode 636 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. And this is the show that would normally be live from CES. Normally. we're still not there. Right. We're both at home. It didn't work out this year. I am it's my so fault. bummed. It's my fault. It's not just your fault. I had a work commitment this week that I could not get out of. So, you know, paid clients, they kind of win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so next year. Hopefully. Yes. So next year will be the year that sucks. Hopefully not. It's always good when we're together covering this stuff, even if the news isn't as great. We've got a lot of good stuff to talk about. What we don't have to talk about is listener feedback, because I don't think you sent us any, although it's possible you did and I missed it, because during CES, we get so much email, so it's hard to stay on top of. So if you want to send us some for next week, the email address is entertainment20 at thedigitalmediazone.com. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can post a comment. We We get notifications for those too. And also, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button so that you can continue watching our content over there. All right. It's CES. Our favorite topics from CES every year are, of course, televisions. So we're going to start with TVs. All of the links to everything that we talk about are in the show notes. I could have given you all like a hundred different TV articles to sort through, but instead I made it easy on you. Also made it easier on me (laughs) by just pointing you to one. Because as we talked about in our CES preview last week, and pretty much any time we talk about TVs, there's really one person that you should be listening to when it comes to TV coverage. And that's David Katzmeyer over at CNET, where again, I feel obligated to say that I work for the parent company of CNET. But he's the best. I've been saying it for years. Uh, So... We're going to link you to an article that's the best TVs of CES 2024 written by the expert, the man that you should be reading. We're going to start with the brand that I think has been winning TVs for five years, six years, seven years. I don't know, as long as they've been producing OLEDs, and that's LG. And the the interesting thing that LG announced is their new LG OLED T. T stands for transparent in this case. It is a 77-inch transparent OLED television, which sounds weird. Like, people are excited about these. The people who have been in Vegas seeing them in person, I'm not entirely convinced, but I've not seen one in person. (laughs) The, The idea is that It's transparent, so it's not like just this big black box sitting in this space where your TV would be. Instead, it can display interesting transparent-ish screensavers. So, for example, you can make it look like an aquarium. I love that example. And they have a picture in the article of that, and it is just so cool because... It looks like you're looking through it the way that it's mounted in this entertainment center. And, but you're looking at basically a screensaver. It's hysterical. I love it. Absolutely love it. 
That is, that is probably the coolest one that I saw. There were also like clocks and things like that. I don't know. The, the thing for me is, I don't, like, it's just a wall that I've got behind my TV. I, I don't feel like the big black box in my living room is that much of an eyesore. I don't know. Well, but that's because you're a geek, right? Designers have been trying to solve this problem for years. Because people like to have their big televisions in the space where they commune. And unfortunately, the TVs keep getting bigger and they're becoming more of an eyesore from a design perspective. And I know that's why we end up with TVs over fireplaces, because designers haven't come up with anything better and haven't with builders really haven't come up with an overall better solution. I think this is solving a problem that not everybody thinks they have. So will this last? Mm. I don't know. They're not the first company to try to do this. This has been shown multiple times at CES over the years. But this seems like the first product that could actually come to market. I think the question is going to be, can they bring it to market in an affordable way and package it and have you know, maybe mounting is not the right term here, but but have right. display solutions that work well. You think if you're seeing through the television, you're not going to put it on a visa mount, right? right. <laughs> That's not how this thing works. So if it's going on a wall, how are they going to handle that case? Yeah. One thing that's interesting is that they have a solution for people that are fine having a just a big black box on the wall. And that's a screen that can come up and block off the back. I have questions <laughs> <laughs> like if you're buying this, why do you want it blocked off in the back? Why spend all this money if you're just going to block it off in the back? Is that actually necessary to make it viewable without any sort of see-through problems? Because I know that's been a problem with these types of displays in the past is that even with the display on, you can see through it and that can be distracting. And the other question I have is, why can't they just do this with black OLEDs? Like, or not black OLEDs, but, you know, with by basically <laughs> turning the cells black and leaving them that way. Or, or maybe a black, I don't know, e-ink background or something that you could turn on or turn off. The fact that there's a physical black shade that you can have come up is just kind of ridiculous to me. So here's the unfortunate news here, Richard. Unfortunate for you, unfortunate maybe for our listeners. I'm going to need to find a new co-host for this show. Uh, <laughs> you're also not going to like the other TV stories that we're going to talk about because you just said, unfortunately, TVs keep getting bigger. I, that that's problem, Richard. Well, I, I don't know how that's an acceptable. Unfortunately, <laughs> for designing homes, it's it's hard. Yeah, that's a fair call out, and I should be scalded for that. I agree. <laughs> I think I said something I didn't mean exactly the way it came out. <laughs> Too late. It's on the record. All right. Well, so that's that's LG's fanciest new thing. Uh, Samsung also it introduced a transparent tv but the the samsung one that we're actually going to talk about is the samsung s95d this is the follow-up to their flagship 
OLED from last year. But this one, the the main thing that's cool about it is that they are calling this a glare-free OLED. Uh, because one of the problems with OLEDs is that they do typically have a fairly reflective screen oh, yeah. in front of them. So uh, this, David Katzmeyer said, seems to work pretty well. Now that's in a controlled environment. It was not under the bright, you know, like, it, it was probably not under big, giant, glaring halogen bulbs or anything like that on the show floor i'm sure they put this in a suite or in an enclosed room in their giant booth but still he said it it seemed to work really well and importantly he didn't notice a major impact to picture quality from whatever it is that they did to drastically reduce glare yeah because you have to imagine that the reason for that incredibly reflective coating uh, the the very smooth coating that is on these OLEDs is to make the picture look as good as possible, right? Like right. to to give you the best picture quality. So how do they do this without reducing the picture quality? I'd be interested in finding out. What is notable, despite your skepticism about how much lighting might be around these, is that you and I know firsthand, and you can see it in plenty of pictures online, the taking a photograph of a television at CES <laughs> is quite challenging yeah. because there are bright lights everywhere. And even just not getting yourself in as a reflection in the TV that you're taking a picture of is often difficult. But both this TV and a similar kind of model that LG also released, the pictures look very uninhibited by any sort of reflection of the photographer or anything around it, which is impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Very impressive. All right. So let's move on to the TVs that apparently Richard hates now, the really big ones. (laughs) No, I hate them because I can't afford them. (laughs) Well, there's that. Uh, You also might not have room for these because Hisense and TCL both showed off E enormous TVs. So we'll start with Hisense. It's the smaller one. (laughs) Smaller. Yeah. This is the smaller one at 110 inches for a television. We're not talking about projection screens. This is a 110 inch TV. It is the Hisense 110 UX. This is a mini LED TV. Mini LEDs are really the like the best competitor to OLEDs right now they're not quite as good as micro LEDs which are used for really really enormous televisions like TVs that could be twice or twice the size of this one or even bigger uh but these have really tiny lights in them similar to OLED but not quite the same um and that allows you to get the a a much better contrast ratio closer to what you can get from an OLED. But they get a lot brighter than OLEDs typically. And this one really takes the cake, at least compared to OLEDs here. This one hits 10,000 nits peak brightness. 10,000. The previous TV, the previous brightest TV that Katzmeyer has ever reviewed had a peak brightness of 25. 
a yeah. quarter as bright as this one can get. Yeah, I honestly thought the 10,000 nits was a theoretical brightness. I didn't know it was actually like possible that the, the <laughs> physics allowed that to work. Right. Yeah, that's that's crazy bright. Also, uh, another thing that we have to talk about is local dimming zones. This is the the other really important thing when it comes to trying to compare LED TVs with OLED because OLED are individually lit pixels. You can have one turned on full bright right next to one that is turned off and there is a perfect contrast between the two of them. With any other type of LED lighting, there are groups of of lights, which means that you're probably going to have a little bit of a halo effect depending on how many lights there are. So you add more lights, that means you can dim more sections at a time to theoretically give you, but not theoretically, it does give you better contrast uh, between the bright and the dark things. This TV has 40,000 local dimming zones. 40,000. Like normally we're like, oh, this TV's really good. It's got a few hundred. This has 40,000 local dimming zones. Yeah. I really, really would love to see this thing in person, like compared right next to an OLED, because that's got to be close. That's got to be close. So what I don't see in this article, and maybe I just need to go into more detail on this particular device, is is this 4K or 8K? Because at that size, I would imagine that even 4K is going to start to look pixelated. <laughs> it might. I'm pretty sure that uh, both of these big TVs that we're talking about were 4K. Okay. All right. Uh, it's but, still yeah. fascinating. Yeah. And, and I had the same thought. Like, it, one of the main reasons that we've been telling people for four, five years to don't waste your money on an 8K TV is because the only way to notice the difference is if it's really huge, really big. Huge. Right. Yeah. So maybe, maybe the size would benefit at 8K. All right. If 110 inches just isn't big enough for you, well, then TCL might have the TV for you because theirs is actually the biggest. It is a 115-inch TV. I'm not going to give you the model name because it's stupid and has all sorts of extra numbers and letters in it that you'll never remember. Look in the article if you want the actual model name. This one is also mini-LED. It's also very bright, but not as bright as the Hisense. So basically, the TCL is bigger but it's not as bright, doesn't have as many local dimming zones. So 5,000 nit peak, peak brightness, so half that of the high sense, but still twice as bright as anything uh, that Katzmeyer has seen before. And not and half as many dimming zones as the high sense. It's got 20,000. Like 20,000 still got to be pretty good, but it's still half as many as that high sense TV. This one, we actually got a price range. TCL said it would be under $20,000. So it'll be $19,999 and 99 cents. Yikes. Yeah. But it's also 115 inches. If you've yeah. got the space for it. I, I, yeah. Yeah. In his article, he said that with it on a stand, the top of the TV was almost as tall as him. And he's six foot three. <laughs> To try and give you some perspective here, folks. Yeah. Because it's really hard to imagine what a 115-inch 
television would actually look like in your house. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, it's also just so we're clear about this. It's also like difficult to get a 115 inch television into your house. <laughs> so I, I mean, before you start thinking, Hey, I'm going to go out and buy one of these. Not that everybody is, um, you know, if you have an eight foot door, that's three feet wide. All right. You with me? Mm-hmm. It has a diagonal from one bottom corner to the opposing top right corner of 102 inches. So it's so bigger I'm than your front door. Not quite sure what door <laughs> this TV is getting through in anyone's home. <laughs> Listen, you find a way, Richard. <laughs> you find a way for this. I'm I'm gonna get out my tape measure and and extend it out to 115 inches and put it near my TV to try and <laughs> to compare my 65 inch TV. Be sure you tell Jen what you're doing too, so right. she can appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just seeing how big the 115 inch TV yeah. will be in here. Yeah. Uh, it won't fit. It will cover the doorway. <laughs> we it, we will lose this like open floor plan idea. It's not going to happen anymore. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sorry about the doorway, dear. We're closing that off for the giant television. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. Our last TV. And I, I had to talk about this one also because it the it, it's the TCL QM851. And it's the follow-up to the TV. We talked again about this just last week. This is the follow-up to last year's model that Katzmeyer said, like, for for your money, this is the TV to get. Uh, mini LED, really nice, but not a bajillion dollars. You know, not nearly as much as, as the OLEDs and still really nice, feature-packed, you know, variable refresh rate, high refresh rate displays here. Same thing, at, uh, like, same idea, at least, with, with this here's model. Still mini LED. It is twice as bright as last year's model. It has more local dimming zones than last year's model, but they didn't tell us how many. And it has an ATSC3 tuner, which is also called Next Gen TV. This is the the new over-the-air television standard that is slowly rolling out across the United States, which would allow you to just plug in any antenna that you have now and receive, you know, 4K over-the-air content if you have any stations that are broadcasting at ATSC 3. Uh, also, this TV should be the same price as last year's model. So this really sounds great. It, it sounds really good. Like if you just can't justify the latest LG OLED, these are probably the TVs that you should be considering. Yeah. And you're getting a 65 inch for under $1,000, which is great for the quality that this delivers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So that's it for our TV coverage. There was obviously more out there. I, I And I would just tell you, go to CNET and look at the rest of their coverage. If you want to see more information about those enormous Hisense and TCL TVs, check those out. If you're looking at the more realistic uh, TCL QM851, if you want to see that transparent uh, OLED uh, well, really from from LG or the one from Samsung, they're all there. You can get all of the rest of the details over there. 
and then we'll be patiently awaiting all of his reviews as these eventually come to market throughout the year. And I want to find out from our audience if anyone has like eyes on an over 100-inch television for their future. Like, is that, is there anybody looking at these seriously? And I know the prices on these are extreme. Like the one that you were talking about is a $20,000 television. But still, are, are people actually looking at this? Because I think, buy a projector. But, you know, you're not going to get the picture quality necessarily. Right. And they're harder to put in some rooms. And so, yeah. yeah, I think that I think that's the answer is if you have like a 110 inch projection screen right now, and maybe it's aging, maybe it's a 1080p projector that you've been waiting to replace, but you know that really good 4k projectors are $8,000 still. I mean, this is twice that <laughs> like, it's not like it's super close in terms of cost, but it's going to be a lot brighter and it is going to look better. It's going to be way brighter than any projector you're going to get. So, all right, let's move on to audio. And let's, you might think that I would be talking about headphones first. I've got lots of normal headphones to talk about, but that's not where we're starting. We're, we're actually going to talk about something a little bit different. And it's not even actually entertainment, uh, but I think it's a really cool device that I, I think is, is worthwhile. And maybe for a lot of our listeners, because I'm going to bet that a lot of our listeners are also people who have spent their entire lives listening to music way too loud, watching movies with the volume up way too loud, and have damaged their hearing. And if that's you, then you might be interested in this new device called the OrCam Hear. And it is a, it's really two devices that work together. One is a set of earbud, earbuds that just stick in your ears. And another is a little dongle that you plug into your phone. And that dongle is able to, within a few seconds, analyze all of the sound near you and basically make an audio profile for all of the people that are talking near you and then represents them as separate little dots, basically, on the app on your phone. Then... It puts like, it's just a red ring and uh, in, in the display. And it's supposed to be like the ring of audio that you want to hear. So if you're at a bar or at a giant conference and it, you're really struggling to hear the people you want to be listening to, it will uh, immediately figure out the different people. And then you drag the people that you want to hear into the little red circle on your phone. And you can hear them through your earbuds very clearly, and it muffles everything else. This sounds like a game changer for people yeah. with hearing loss, especially for people who have hearing loss and, and regularly have to be in really crowded places like conference centers or bars or restaurants, things like that. Like This sounds like it works really well, and it's not officially out yet. You know, this is still a, a prototype device. They're hoping to get this out later this year. And the person who tested it in this article, they don't have dramatic hearing loss. So they were able to notice that like the audio's got a little bit of distortion and stuff like that. But what the company told told them was, yeah, but like we're working on that to make it even better. But also 
If you have hearing loss, you're probably not going to notice those problems because you're really going to be focused on the people that you're now able to hear clearly. So I think it's awesome. I, I think it's a product worth keeping our eyes on because it does have the potential to make a really serious positive impact on the lives of a lot of people. In three weeks, I'm getting fitted for hearing aids. Really? So the idea that there are commercial vendors out there that are also looking to solve this problem just in listening devices, yeah, um, traditional listening devices, is amazing to me. I, I do notice that this requires a dongle that you plug into your phone, which potentially means that like the way that your earbuds from Apple can be a hearing accessory, you have to have your phone out right? so that your phone is the microphone that's picking everyone up. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, this isn't necessarily as discreet as if you have professionally um, sized hearing aids or... Um, uh, fitted hearing aids, but th this is really, really cool technology. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in the article, it said that uh, apparently for people with hearing aids, situations like this are actually made worse. That hearing aids just have a, a really hard time picking out the, the people that you'd actually want to hear. And I imagine a lot of that is due to the placement of the hearing aids and stuff like that. It, it is, but that's getting better too. Yeah. I, they're they're definitely getting better at being able to kind of focus on specific wavelengths and sounds that are um, closer and and the, you know the things that you want to be hearing. So uh, I'll let you know in a month <laughs> or two. Yeah, how how I think they're doing. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to regular headphones then and. We're going to start with the Sennheiser Momentum 4. Sennheiser actually announced a, a couple, but the Momentum 4, it, it's really the top of the line earbuds that Sennheiser produces. The Momentum 3 are the previous most recent versions. And basically, uh, we're going to link you to an article from Engadget. And what I, Engadget said was, every time we do an article for our favorite earbuds, the Sennheiser Momentums don't typically end up as the best pick for everybody, but they're pretty much always the ones we like the sound quality of the most. It's just that nowadays with earbuds, they're about way more than just sound quality, right? So maybe the ANC isn't as good, maybe the microphones aren't as good as some of the competitors, but in terms of you just want the best earbuds for listening to music, it's probably the Sennheiser Momentums. So the Momentum 4 is the newest version of those. And the improvements for this year, the transparency mode, this is uh, becoming a feature that's very common on headphones with active noise canceling in them. It basically amplifies sound near you so that even though you've got earbuds in and you're listening to music, you can still hear what's happening around you, whether that's your office coworkers who are trying to talk to you or people in the street or cars in the street that might be about to run right. you over. And these features are nice, but they typically sound bad. So 
this is supposed to sound uh, a lot more natural this year. Uh, also, these do, of course, have active noise cancellation, and the the ANC is apparently even better than last year, as you would expect, and it uses less battery life than in previous years. So you will get seven and a half hours of battery life out of one charge on these with ANC off. But if you turn ANC on, it only decreases battery life by 30 minutes, which is actually pretty good because for a while there, if you turned active noise cancellation on on your headphones, you cut the battery life in half. So that is significantly better. These will, unlike a lot of things that we see at CES, be out very soon. March 1st is when these launch. They didn't actually give pricing, but when the Momentum 3s came out, they were $279. So a little bit more than AirPod Pros, right? Those are $250. I don't even remember what they are, but <laughs> they have all of this stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. So Sennheiser's kind of at the at the real premium end of headphones. Going to drop it down to a value brand. JLab is one of the, maybe the most popular brand for value brand headphones. I mean, you can get like $25 earbuds from JLab. Those ones, I don't recommend. I've tried them. They're not good. They're not comfortable. <laughs> don't get those ones. They're, they're slightly higher end ones are better. This time around, they're actually announcing full ANC headphones that are traditional over-the-ear headphones. Again, you that's active noise canceling. Yes, sorry. Um, you wouldn't know that they're full, like, you know, band across the top of your head over-ear headphones by the model name because they're J-Labs, J-Buds, Lux. Why are they called yeah, J-Buds weird. if they're not earbuds? That's stupid. weird. Yeah. So they look like pretty normal headphones. They they have the active noise cancellation. They have 40 millimeter drivers, which they're quick to point out is the same size as uh, headphones from their competitors like Bose and stuff like that. Size isn't the only thing that matters when it comes to headphones and speakers, but it does matter, especially in terms of producing bass response easier. These have Bluetooth 5.3. I want to spend a, a couple of seconds on that. Bluetooth 5.3 is the latest version of Bluetooth, and it is the one that supports the most recent updated version of Bluetooth AuraCast. So these would support Bluetooth AuraCast that we talked about last, last week in our expectations episode for this year, where you could theoretically be at a place like a movie theater, a concert, an airport, where they are broadcasting audio on different channels you can think of it as and you yep. can just tune in right from your phone and these headphones ought to just work with that pretty much any headphones that you're seeing launching right now with bluetooth 5.2 or 5.3 should work if it's 5.3 it'll work even better better battery life things like that uh so these have bluetooth 5.3 they're multi-point which just means that you can pair them to two devices at the same time like your laptop and your phone or something like that. They also have quick charge, uh, which gives you like, you know, a couple of hours of battery life from a 10 minute charge. Google Fast Pair, uh, 40 hours of battery life with ANC turned on, 70 hours of battery life with it turned off, and they're $79.99 and available at the end of February. That's a really good price for 
a, a pretty good set theoretically of active noise canceling foldable headphones. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, a heck of a lot cheaper than anything from Sony and Bose for sure. I'm sure <laughs> it's not quite as good, but it is a third the price or less. So there you go. And then the last one isn't headphones at all. I'm really curious to hear Richard's take on this one. So me and a few other people a few years ago forced basically Richard to buy a crazy TV called the Samsung Frame TV. He was going to buy a dirt cheap TV for his office. And we're like, no, Richard, come on. You got to get the frame. You got to get the frame. And he did. And he loves it. And the idea with the frame was that it is a TV that essentially puts screensavers on the display when you're not using it, that actually looks like you're, you've just got art hanging on your wall. It looks yep. really, really impressive. Yep. So Samsung said, let's take this concept and apply it to speakers. And so now you've got the Samsung music frame. And so it is just a frame. It's not even like a digital photo frame. This is just a frame that you can put printed artwork inside of whatever you want but it's got two woofers two tweeters two mid-range drivers in it and it's a speaker that you can mount on your wall anywhere it's also because it's made by samsung they've got all sorts of other audio technology uh that you can pair with their tvs and their other speakers and sound bars and things like that to do crazy uh you know surround sound setups with these if you just want two of these, you can put them in a stereo pair in your room. It's a really smart idea. It's a way to get what would probably be pretty decent audio into a room without having to put a speaker in it. You know, we talked about transparent TVs are cool because it doesn't screw with the design of the room. That's what this is doing too, but but for speakers. Yeah. Um, I... So this reminds me of something that Ikea is doing. They have a wall-mounted speaker that's supposed to be a piece of artwork. The thing with their product is that it's kind of thick. Like, it sticks out from the wall a fair amount. And looking at the pictures for this, it looks like it's only maybe an inch and a half, two inches thick, something like that. But I think that's the real thing here is, is it going to look as convincing as a frame the way that the TV does and not make you think, oh, that's a speaker that's being disguised with a picture on it, which is kind of what I think about the IKEA stuff. So I, I think it's really all about the the visual design of this. Now, interestingly, where they show it in the article we're going to link to, it's on a stand. It's like sitting on a shelf. And I don't know how many people sit frames on shelves. I mean, I knew that was a design thing a couple of years ago, but I don't know if people really still do that, like have a, a big frame just leaning up against the wall or something. I don't know. I, I, I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical. I want to see how they pull this off. And if it can be wall-mounted, and if it's wall-mounted, is it getting sufficient air? to really be able to give you the sound that it would if it's just sitting free form on a shelf somewhere. Right. And if you do mount it on the wall, then you've got to do something ideally to hide the power cable. Well, right. Yeah. The same way that you would for 
the TV. And if you do that, then now with a hole behind it, are you somehow messing with the way that it gets air? And <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So again, we'll be waiting for reviews to find out how well this works in real life and how how well it sounds. Uh, but no pricing, no availability coming soon-ish. But it's it's Samsung, yeah. so I, I believe that it'll come. I don't it'll know how come. to say that. No, no, no. They, they have a pretty good record they do. with stuff like this. But Except for that crock may, speaker. Yeah. It may, well, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, you mean Cauldron, I think. But anyway, the, the the whole, you know, when they came out with the frame line, it took a while for it actually to be real once it was real. It's expensive. So I'm expecting that these are not going to be cheap. Yeah. Probably. Hey, you want to you guess? 300? Yeah. No, I'm going to guess closer to 500 a piece. Really? Yep. How much is that ugly Ikea one? Yeah, but the ugly Ikea one is Ikea. I don't know that you can make a price <laughs> comparison there. <laughs> That's probably fair. Okay. Well, let's move on. Um, and switch to gaming. So as Richard and I were preparing for the show, I said, Richard, I have 37 articles tagged. So settle in. Just for gaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are 40 minutes in. We're not talking about 40 <laughs> different stories here, folks. No. Uh, we're going to split it up. We're going to do a, a, a couple of the interesting stories this week. And then next week, we're going to talk about the gaming laptops, the gaming monitors, and we'll talk a little bit about the new chips and stuff that were announced that are like inside of these laptops and stuff like that. For today, we're going to talk, the, the biggest story I think is, again, continuing that trend of portable gaming. MSI is now getting in the portable game space with their own Steam Deck competitor, and it's called Claw. I think this is also a dumb name for a portable gaming device. That seems to be the theme of CES this year. Mm -hmm. Poor product names. But it looks nice. So it looks a whole lot like the Asus ROG Ally in so, so many ways, except the grips on the side are bigger and should be a little bit more comfortable. The main thing that's actually different about the MSI Claw is that it has Intel's new Core Ultra chip inside, whereas all of the competitors, the Steam Deck, Steam Deck OLED, the ROG Ally, the Legion Go, they're all using the same AMD chip. So this is the first one using Intel's brand new chip. In theory, like the, the idea there is that it could be more powerful and consume less battery. But let's get into the rest of the specs first. So seven inch, 1080p screen running at 120 hertz refresh rate ips it's not oled like that fancy new steam deck but it does have variable refresh rate which only the legion go uh amongst all of those other competitors can say that it has it has a 40 a 53 sorry watt hour battery which is about the same as the legion go and the steam deck oled and it has hall effect joysticks like the legion go so again much better thumbsticks there that won't drift on you. The price is also the same as the ROG Ally and the Legion Go at $699. So the questions are, does it run better and does the battery last longer? 
And this is a pre-production model that various outlets got their hands on. So you can't fully judge it here. It sounded like the performance was inconsistent. In, in some places, it was pretty decent. In some settings and scenarios, it, it wasn't as great as some of the competitors. In terms of battery life, it probably actually is. Uh, MSI claimed under heavy load, two hours of battery life, which is better than all of the competitors. And in the article that we'll link to, the person played on it for about a half an hour and the battery dropped 25%. So maybe their battery life claims are actually pretty realistic. So again, it's not fully done yet. So we don't have a date, but we do have a price because it's the same price as their competitors. So MSI, they might be new to this particular space, but they're not new to the gaming space. They make competitive gaming laptops. So, but this is just their first time making a portable gaming device. So, again, I'll be curious to see how well it actually works once it hits the market. Does it get super loud? Does it get super hot? Does it perform as well? All of those will be under the microscope as soon as it's actually available for review. The only other gaming story we're going to hit on is a crazy new controller being developed by Hyperkin. I think you would pronounce this the Duchess. I don't know. Duchess S. I, I'm not sure. They're basic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just Duchess. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Duchess. And their Hyperkin, one of their big things of late has been to remake classic controllers, but make them work with new consoles. And this time around, they took the slim controller, the S controller. That's why the, the model name here, Duchess, the last S is large. Um, of the, the Xbox controller S from the original Xbox. So when the original Xbox launched, it had these gigantic, ungodly, huge controllers that were terrible. They especially didn't work in Eastern Asia. And so they made a new controller called the S that pretty much that's the one everybody liked. This one looks like that one. And if you're looking at this going, we liked that one. I know, I know it's ugly. (laughs) It's really ugly especially in 2024, but it was way better than the original controller that launched with the Xbox. So it looks like that. And I don't know if you've heard me say this before, it's got Hall Effect joysticks. So at least if you pick one of these up, you won't have to worry about those sticks going bad on you. Uh, No price yet or release date, but Hyperkin, if they're showing it, it will be here soon. This is not uh, vaporware uh, of of a lot of products that we would see at CES. All right, Richard, there's one other thing we got to talk about. Well, yeah, because Apple, as they have done in the past, decided that, oh, wait, we have something to talk about too. Right when CES starts, you may remember, this is how they announced the iPhone. So Apple Vision Pro, we know that it's coming. We expected that it was going to be sometime early this year. But we didn't know the details, and now we do. April, April, sorry, Apple has announced a February 2nd release date. It'll be available for pre-order on January 19. So two weeks later, you'll be able to get it, probably shipped right to your home the way they do with phones, arriving the day that it becomes available. They're usually 
really, really accurate with that. Although one year I did receive my phone a day early. That was fun. <laughs> and the thing that's interesting here is you won't be able to get hands-on with this device until February 2nd. So if you're pre-ordering one, you're doing it on specs and faith and hype and excitement and maybe, just maybe, a little bit too much cash in your pocket. <laughs> because it is going to cost you $3,500. And that's if you don't care if you get spatial sound directly in your ears. Because if you don't already have AirPods Pro, you're going to have to buy a pair of them separately for that spatial sound to be isolated in your ears. It does have sound, but it's projected from the side into your ears. So it's not an isolated experience. Also, we knew that it was going to be available with lens inserts. If you need either readers or prescription lenses, those are surprisingly inexpensive. Those are going to run about $100 for readers or, and by readers, I mean, you have standard optical uh, 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 correction that you would be able to buy in a drugstore for reading purposes. Or if you have prescription lenses, those will be available for 150 I assume that's 150 for both lenses, <laughs> not for each, but it's still less than a lot of people expected. Now, what we don't know is how you're going to order them and what, how, what the mechanics of all of that are going to be, when they're going to be available, if they're going to just have some popular or you know, most common prescriptions available in stores. We don't know any of that yet. So hopefully we'll get more of that information as uh, well, by the time pre-orders happen, at least. Now, what are you going to be able to do with this thing? All the stuff that they've been showing off, gaming and viewing stuff and using your Mac and running different apps and any app that you can run in iOS, you're going to be able to run on this device but it's just going to be like shown on a screen in front of you unless it's actually developed for Vision OS. They do say that in the Apple TV app that'll be available on Apple Vision Pro, there will be over 150 titles in 3D with depth with uh you know showing depth while you're watching it. So these aren't like the old movies that were made in 3D with effects that would, you know, be intentionally showing you, oh, look, this thing's coming at me, but instead just demonstrating the depth. And remember also, if you bought a an Apple iPod Pro, no, iPod, I can't believe I just said that, an iPhone 15 Pro, its camera system is capable of taking spatial video. So you'll eventually be able to also watch videos, spatial videos, meaning videos with depth that you've taken on your phone, which is a really cool thing. Now, the Apple Arcade is going to have spatial games, but they... <laughs> They don't have a lot to talk about there. They were saying, yeah, we have 250 games in Apple Arcade and that'll be on Apple. Well, that's great. But only three of them so far they've talked about are going to be in this spatial aware uh, presentation. So, you know, it's going to take a while for developers to get stuff out there. Presumably they'll have some third party titles coming out 
they haven't announced those yet specifically beyond what's already been, you know, in the demonstrations they've given. And, um, you know, battery life, what's battery life going to be? It's going to depend on what you're doing with it, like any device. But uh, some of the specs say, or the, I guess one of the specs is that uh, there will be two hours of battery life for demanding games, demand, you know, games that are doing a lot. You're, there's a lot of interaction going on. There's a lot of movement, stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I don't remember if we got battery life for just using it as a computer or using it on calls and stuff like that. I, for some reason in my head, I think it was something like five or six, but I, I do not actually recall those specs. So Josh, you going to run out and get one? No, no, I will not. I for sure will not. Uh, although I, I, I would love to try one, but there's no way I'm going to yeah. buy one. But one thing I'm curious about, so you can do FaceTime calls with this. Have we seen what it looks like for the person who's talking to you? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, n- I don't know if we have. I don't recall from the demos if we've seen that or not. And the immersive calling experience is not going to be available the day that this comes out. That's coming in an update. So uh, that that's one thing that they did say is that, that that immersive call experience that they were demonstrating, that's something that is going to take a little bit longer to get live. Hmm. Okay. I'll try not to uh, bash them too much for all that, I suppose. All right. So I guess we're going to call that it for our initial CES 2024 episode. Richard, do you want to briefly tell us what's been going on in your entertainment center? Yeah, not a ton. Uh, Surprisingly. So we, uh, I finished watching Lessons in Chemistry. I loved this show so far. Now, granted, we're only 11 days in as of our recording, but so far, this is the favorite thing that I've watched this year. And it has a high bar. It set a very high bar. It's a much deeper show than what it pretends to be. It's about social issues. It's about racism. It's about misogyny. It's a very, very good series. And I am seriously hoping that they put out a season two. They certainly left it open for that. I also finished Loki season two. I think that's the last season of Loki. I found it very confusing. It was entertaining. But Edward and I looked at each other after the last episode and basically said the same thing. I don't really know what just happened, but (laughs) it probably set something up for a movie. So, you know, there you go. We continue to watch Monarch Legacy of Monsters. That last episode airs today. So I'm hoping that I get to watch it tonight before I go to bed. That'll be the last episode of the season. Presumably, there will be further episodes of that in a second season. And then I started The Night Agent, a series on Netflix that I had heard about, but hadn't really watched yet. I don't know anybody that's in it. I'm enjoying it. It's a spy thing. I think you might like it if you haven't checked it out yet, Josh. But yeah, I I so far am really enjoying it. I sat down to watch one episode the other night, and I ended up watching three. So uh, I think it got my attention. And then finally, I am prepping 
to start season four of For All Mankind. And I say it that way because if you've watched that show, you know that a lot happens and that they have traversed a lot of time over the three seasons that have aired so far. So I've been watching some what happened in season three and explanations of the finale type of things on YouTube so that I can start For All Mankind season four and feel like I remember where we were when we last let off. And uh, I've, as far as ebooks, I am still reading Outlive by Peter Atia. And we had our book club for that today, talking through the first two thirds of the book. And so I'll be reading the rest of it in the coming weeks. That's it for me, Josh. How about you? Nice. Uh, on the gaming front, of course, a little bit of Forza and some NHL, a little bit of Minecraft Dungeons with the kiddo. Also decided to check out something else different, a game called Sea of Stars. This is a role-playing game that is basically a love letter to some of the 90s Super Nintendo era role-playing games like Chrono Trigger and Secret of Mana, things like that. I've never played any of those games either, but I'd heard really good things about this and it's on Game Pass, so I decided to check it out. It didn't hook me. Uh, mm. maybe, maybe it's just the genre. I don't know. I thought the combat got a little overly complicated for what it needed to be, and the story is not anything to write home about either. So I've played, I don't know, two or three hours. I doubt I'll go back and finish it. But if you like that style of role-playing game, it's probably pretty good. And if you're already on Game Pass, you might as well check it out. Um, that's it for games and on the TV side, still working through the expanse season three. Wow. Like it, that, that season has gotten to the point where th there have been at least one or two times where I've been like, oh, well that must be the season finale. And it's not right. <laughs> right. They do that multiple times. Yeah. It's, it's been that good, that that kind of, you know, major level events that are happening in that. So I'm really glad I went back to the expanse. Is it making you walk further on your treadmill? Uh, well, it'd be running further. Um, no, but that, it can't because, you know, I'm run, I'm typically running in the morning. Like I'm typically time limited because mm. I've got to get kids to school and stuff like yep. that. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, but it it would. It would. Like, I'm always yeah. bummed to have to turn it off. Yeah. That was another one of those shows where once I got into it, one episode ended, and I'm like, yeah, of course I want to watch the next one now. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then football, because the team, the college football team that I've been rooting for, for the vast majority of my life, finally won an undisputed national championship. Go Michigan. Go Blue. It was so awesome to finally yeah, see Yeah, 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 yeah. They were an absolutely dominant team this year. It was really nice to see. I'm going to enjoy every minute of it while I still can, because next year I think is going to be brutal. So they're not going to repeat, so I'm going to enjoy it while I can. It was really great, really great to see. And the Lions are also doing really well. Um, I I can't even imagine what happens in Michigan if... By some miracle, Michigan wins the college football national championship and the Detroit Lions win the Super Bowl. Like Southeast Michigan's just going to blow up, I think. It's, <laughs> it would be so awesome. It would be so awesome. But we'll wait. We'll wait and see. First, uh, 
first Detroit Lions playoff game at home in 30 years this Sunday. So Hmm. very much looking forward to that. And then also started a new book for me. This is a recommendation from Jen. This is one of, if not her favorite book series. It is called A Court of Thorns and Roses. This is written by Sarah J. Mass, who wrote the other fantasy book series that Jen got me to read, which was uh, A Throne of Glass. I'm two-thirds of the way through this. It's good. I've got some issues with it. It's a little slow uh, for at the start of the book, and Jen keeps telling me, just stick with it. I'm telling you it's really good. Of course, she thinks that. So I'm going to hold off any further judgment until I you know, finish the book. Finish the first book, at least, which will probably be before we record the next episode. So come back next week to hear what I think of, as the cool kids apparently call it, Akatar next week. Okay. Yeah. A-C-O-T-A-R, Akatar, whatever. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's going to do it. Um, we, I, I guess we do have a little bit of an announcement. It feels like a weird announcement, but uh, we have new podcast artwork. It is long, long, long overdue, probably at least 10 years overdue. Well, we finally got some new podcast artwork, so let us know what you think about it. Hopefully, uh, it won't be uh, too jarring of an experience for you, and I think it does a better job of showing what it is that we talk about on this show, because the old one didn't. You mean we don't talk about the green button all the time anymore? No, not not so much. Not so much. <laughs> so, uh, again, that, that's going to do it for us. If you want to get a hold of us, I'm on X. Richard and I were just talking before the show. Neither of us like to call it X because that's what Elon it's wants ridiculous. to call it. Yeah. I may, yeah. Here, here we go. I'm going to call it Twitter, just like I call them GIFs. I don't care what the person who made it said. It's pronounced GIF. It's also pronounced Twitter. I'm um, also on both of those teams. <laughs> so uh, I'm at Josh Pollard on Twitter uh, at DigimediaZone uh, for the website also. And then Richard can primarily be found on Mastodon now. You will not find him on Twitter at Richard Gunther. I'm also there occasionally. And then uh, live shows. We do this live. Uh, we're going to be switching it up. Most weeks, except for crazy CES week, uh, will be Wednesday nights for the next couple of months uh, at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Subscribe to us uh, in Twitch. It'll notify you there. We also post about it on socials. And of course, if you're watching this on YouTube, hit the like button and subscribe to the show. And and if you're watching on YouTube, hit the link in the description to get back to the website. There you can get all the show notes that we're talking about and subscribe to the regular podcast version also. Well, that's going to do it for episode 636. He's Richard Gunther, and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.